Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. to the best hang podcast i'm mike we got max we got shane and we got a great episode for you today i feel like it's a very concentrated episode we we're talking about something we we're calling the three b's which is we went to buffalo we had a dinner at bruce mccullough's place and we're going to talk about barbenheimer so that's the three b's before we get to that uh, i want to remind you that we have moved along i guess in the fourth b our book club uh we have we have read ash or at least we'll find out everyone's progress but ashley audrain is coming on to talk about the whispers uh her book that is out now um you know we talked about this a couple episodes ago or maybe last episode and you know i thought shane might be the, you know the guy that maybe put off the homework uh, and then i came into the office one day and i saw the book on his desk and i was like have you started this he's like oh yeah he's like i'm i'm going through whatever and i was like i need to light a fire on my i knew max had already read it because he read it at his own pace um but i i blasted through it because i also felt like ashley was coming i was like when is she going to be on i know it's going to be soon so I am happy to say that is off my homework list. I have now read it. Uh, I have lots of thoughts on the book. I very, mm. very, very much enjoyed it. And I'm excited uh, to have her on. Shane, what is your progress report? You're on vacation right now, Shane. You're calling in on your vacation for this pod. Uh, where are you at? Did you yeah. bring the book with you? I did bring the book with me. I might have had it done, but I went to play basketball the other night. And then I got very sick afterwards. I don't think I drank mm. enough water. And I had like a chill mm. running through my body. So I... I just had to sleep on the train, which I don't think I've ever done on the way home from work ever. But yeah, I'm at page 190 something, I think. So I'm close. Nice. That's like 300, 300 pages, maybe? Yeah, you're more than halfway yeah, there. Yeah, very close. And it, it's easier to read too for me once I know all the characters and I don't have to mm -hmm. reread pages to kind of understand what's going on. It, it became way more easier at about the 150 page mark. I feel like that is the problem with books is that I just need to introducing the characters is so fucking annoying. I hate that. 
even in Ashley's book, which is one of my favorite books, the first chapter, you're meeting all the, the characters and it's just like, who the fuck is everybody? And, th- and then I realized this happens to me with just about every book I've ever read. And then mm-hmm. most of the time I go, eh, I'm not going to finish this book. And then I just put the book aside. <laughs> you know what I mean? There needs to be yeah. some work around. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, names are book- so hard. Yeah. This is just the way the books work. You know, it's kind of like, it's analogous to, uh, you remember in Castaway when Tom Hanks' character wants to get off the island and he, he builds these little rafts and he keeps trying to, but he can't get past the break out into the main ocean. Like the, the waves keep bringing him back to shore of the island. So he stays stranded. He cannot get through. So he has to divide like this amazing sail and he finally in this sort of triumphant moment during the film uh, to get out to actual open water into the sea he like he opens the sail just as he hits sort of the apex of the wave and he finally gets over and then he's into the ocean and he won't be pushed back to the island sometimes i think maybe getting past that that hurdle in a book is like that because once you know the characters you can't put the fucking thing down you like you're trying to find steel moments to read it you know what i mean like to finish ashley's book i like went and hid in an edit bay because i was like i i'm i'm so close i i need to know mm-hmm. what's happening. I need to, I need, I need closure now. So I went and left for half an hour and just sat in edit bay and, and finished it. You know, I think it speaks to the lack of resolve I have in my life in general, though. Like if I can't figure out how to do something, I was just thinking about what you said, Mike, about the castaway character and having to like devise a plan to yeah. get out of the, into the you ocean. You just died on the island. I would be like, I don't care. I just don't care. And because <laughs> I was thinking about this. So yet two nights ago, I had a neighbor who is out of town and he's like, can you move my car? Because in the middle of the month, you have to move the car from one side of the street to the other side of the street, street. Right. And I get in his, and we had shot a music video late at night. So it's like one in the morning, but I know it has to like move before morning. So I'm like, fuck, I got to go do this thing right now. And also like, I'm the worst person for this kind of chore. Like if you ask me to water the plants, they're going to die. If you ask me to feed your cat, like the cat might die too. Like, I'm just like, I'm not that guy. I'm just not that guy. So I go in there and I open the door and I can't find the keys to his car and then I'm like, oh, God, it's like 1.30 in the morning. It's, he's like living in a new house, too. So I'm just like, oh, God. And then so I'm like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to deal with this tomorrow. I can't find the keys to the car. I'll deal with it tomorrow. I'm l- trying to lock the door. I can't lock the door. It's a new house. So the door <laughs> oh, no. frame isn't totally. And then I'm like, am I just going to stay, like, sleep here on his couch? Because I don't want to leave the door unlocked. Am I just going to, like, sleep on the couch? Then I text Ash. I'm like, Ash are you up still? Cause we just come from this music video. She goes, yeah, yeah, I'm up. I was like, I can't fix this door. And I just want to go to bed. <laughs> I might just sleep on the floor here in the house, in this house. So in case I get, it gets robbed, I guess that they'll see me in the house <laughs> sleeping on the couch because the door is not locked. And, and then anyway, she comes over and this little five foot four, however tall Ash is, she just starts yanking at the door and pulling the door up <laughs> and, and tussling with the door. And then in about four minutes, she, she locked the door and, and we were off. She figured, the it out. Yeah, she figured it out. But me, Ash, Ash would get off that island. She would you, absolutely I'm, I'm get concerned. Off. We would never see you again. <laughs> never see me. Because like, honestly, after about 30 seconds of tussling with that door, I was just like, I don't care. I just, I just want to fall asleep on the couch. And anyway, I've been thinking about that. I was listening to last week's pod about how I'm Mr. Magoo. And I just kind of, (laughs) (laughs) I just fixing things as I go. And I'm just totally useless and kind of rude. I got, I got some, some thinking to do guys. I don't know. Did last week's pod make you a little like (laughs) self-reflective? A little bit. (laughs) Wow. He's looking inward. Yeah. 
Yeah. Jillian just texted me and she was like, I just listened to last week's pod and, um, you know, I don't blame you for making us go home early on, uh, just for laughs. But anyway, um, where were we? Uh, book club. <laughs> yeah. She told me. <laughs> she didn't blame Did she text you Shane? No, I think she's probably like, I shouldn't interact with Shane anymore because it'll just be uh, regurgitated on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> A lesson many have learned, but you're on vacation. So first of all, thank you. Listen, work never ends. Shane, you're calling in from your way up North. You're hanging with your fam and you found it, you know, an hour today to talk with your buds here on the podcast. What do you want to start with Shane? Since you're the one that we're interrupting on vacation, uh, Barbenheimer, the, the dinner we had at Bruce McCullough, a member of kids in the hall, executive producer on uh, the sketch of the dessert or Buffalo, which we just got back from recently. Well, first off, the, our connection is shit up here. So I, I only heard about half of what you said, but <laughs> let's start with Buffalo. And, uh, okay. Set it up, Shane. Let, why don't you set up Buffalo? Me? Yeah, you. Oh, uh, I don't know. Every, every, I feel like a set, the setup setting me up because every time mike does this he's like you set it up shane and it's almost like he's just doing it to test how badly i can set up so that mike can back it up and reset it up so i'm not falling in this trap again because sometimes uh like i would say almost 100 percent of the time i do that mike will like re reset it up. Say, it's annoying Sorry, I mostly I'm just, I'm just it, because, like, let's cut the middleman here. <laughs> what, what it is, is because you are on a delay because of the internet, like for this, I hopefully, obviously Nathan is a master editor and he will tighten this all up. But for people at home listening right now or wherever you listen, wherever you get your pods, uh, we, uh, Shane is on a delay. So I just, I, I could already feel him starting to, to, to kind of be a little bit other to Max and I, cause Max and I are in real time. So I thought if I let you just sort of uninterrupted set something up, you'd feel more part of the pod, even though you were on such a delay. However, I need to feel part of the pod. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I, so, so essentially, uh, our uh, Kells were playing this amazing, I got questions about this show, by the way, cause I wasn't totally plugged in like many of these things. Th this was like, um, our friend Sean Dawson, uh, was setting up a, a surprise 40th birthday party for our great friend, Matt McPeak. You may know Matt, if you watch the dessert, he is the fine looking gentleman on the bench, making out with Shane in the very opening sketch of the show, the kiss. Uh, so it was his 40th birthday. Um, and, and Sean had sort of taken the reins to set up the surprise party. Well, what a perfect target for a party, but the Arkells are doing this big show in Buffalo. And I wasn't totally aware cause you guys have done Buffalo plenty. You usually do like a three night stand at the ballroom or whatever that is, or you'll play some outdoor festival. So I assumed when I heard it was outdoor, it was part of like Buffalo's version of like festival of friends or something from Hamilton. Mm. Like I didn't, I just didn't really pay attention to it until it was getting kind of closer to until I really kind of like got there. But did, this was like a show that you guys like set up in a field, right? Like this was like your thing from you built it ground up. Is that the deal? Yeah. Well, they have a concert series. It's called Buffalo Outer Harbor. So uh, we've never played there before. We've played Canal Side, which is like I guess another part of Buffalo on the water. But they had like you know Fifty Cent play there, uh, you know, the previous week, and they had Jimmy Eat World and Manchester Orchestra, and they had Mount Joy. So there's a stage I think set up there, kind of throughout the summer. But then there's like different. It's sort of like their mini version of like Budweiser stage. I, I in, in a, that's a bad reference, but it's just like it's a stage there that's set up. It holds five thousand people, and yeah, we were booked to headline the one night with K Flay supporting. So, but we had never done the show there. And uh, yeah, we put a lot of work into the organization and the promo of it. We did a bunch of stuff with the Buffalo Bills leading up to it. We, we, you know, we have a good relationship with that town. So we had that on the books originally. 
And then we also had, if you follow on Arkell socials, you know this, Disco Loadout, a new band name, which is Arkell's doing covers back at the Town Ballroom late night set uh, that we'd be hitting the stage at like 1230. So it was a long day of music for me. I also had food poisoning, which also made the day kind of crazy. Um, but what time? Do, so, but I hardly, I didn't see any of you guys, basically. I didn't even see you guys during the show. I was looking for you and I couldn't find you. And then at the Town Ballroom, I saw Paul julian felix and uh, i think that's about it uh i heard yeah i heard they'd infiltrated the the band room or the backstage they were saying yeah. they went yeah they yeah. came so yeah so from our perspective so sean is setting up this sort of like um this this surprise for our good friend matt mcpeak and the way that they did it was sean worked obviously with ash who's amazing she's like okay what's the deal what, you know i can help set you up this way that way whatever i can get you guys into the show they're doing the disco loadout thing for the first time which was really exciting we'll get to that whole thing which was crazy so the way it was was sean and matt they have like a cottage in in crystal beach that they uh, they rent out so if you're looking for property in crystal beach uh reach out to sean dawson but the idea was they they were going to do something. The, the, the ruse was Peak was going, they were going to go fix something at the cottage, like, you know, at noon or something on this Saturday. Unbeknownst to them, we're all hanging out at like the local taco place or whatever, and they're going to pull up and we're going to say surprise and we're going to yeah, drink a bunch of buckets of Coronas. And then we're going to, you know, get, go across the border to Buffalo and then we'll go see the shows or whatever. That's the plan. So we all get there. Everybody shows up on time. You know, we got my brother comes in from Toronto. We got Shane Myers comes in. We got the whole gang, everyone you'd imagine, all the champagne boys. And we're just waiting for Peak and Sean to pull up. And we got this big banner that says like 40 years of peaking. Um, and it's like this picture of Matt looking super, you know, hunky or whatever. And Felix had designed it. It was really nice. Anyway, they pull up in this. Oh, right before we were supposed to go there, by the way, I guess a, a truck had ran over a giant like tree pole or like some sort of electrical line. So there's all this work happening, which kind of impeded the way they were supposed to originally pull up to the spot. So they kind of went to the parking lot across the street. We have video of this. We can share it on the, the pod, Instagram, or whatever. But they pull up and Peek's just in Sean's truck and they're kind of talking. And then, oh, by the way, I keep saying Peek or Matt. His name's Matt McPeak. We call him Peek. Peek is his nickname. Anyway, he rolls down the window and he looks and you can see there's just like confusion. Mm. And then he kind of gets out and he kind of does the, oh, like he puts it all together. And then when he came up and he was talking, I was like, I was like, that that reaction was, I got an, I'm not gonna lie, it was a little underwhelming. Like what, what was going through your head? And he was like, one, it was Art Carl and Hamilton last night, and Felix brought him out and got him drunk. So he was hungover. So it's hard. <laughs> He's like, I don't do back-to-backs anymore. So that he goes, but the main thing he goes is his wife Ashley. He's like, We have dinner plans tonight, and I'm gonna have to call and cancel. He's like, he didn't realize Sean had set this all up with Ashley. So he basically was trying to figure out how he's going to get out of this thing to party <laughs> in Crystal Beach all night. He thinks he's going to have to stay in Crystal Beach. Anyway, then we're like, oh, and we're, the Arkells are playing in Buffalo. We're going there. And he was just like, he was so thrilled. Uh, and he sent a really good. beautiful message to the group. I know you're in the group, Max, but obviously you and Mike D and, and all Nick and all that were obviously working. But this surprise was great. And it was, it was great. And what did you think of his reaction, Shane? What was going through your brain? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Greg, uh, was it you or Greg? Somebody asked him. You didn't do the Jerry Maguire fake heart attack, and then he didn't know what Greg that was. Greg would have done the uh, Jerry Maguire yeah. fake heart attack. Yeah, and Greg's done that several times. But our <laughs> crowd didn't. Maybe, maybe it was a younger crowd, but they didn't know what I was talking about when I said to do that. Um, what I again, I, I 
didn't see any of you guys all day long, but I am always fascinated with like, you know, the group dynamics, who goes hard immediately, you know, who, who's immediately smoking cigarettes, you know, like <laughs> who's, who's downing their sixth beer by three o'clock, like all those things. And what I did hear when I got off stage and I won't name the person, but I did hear that one champagne boy fainted during the third song <laughs> and it may That's have been <laughs> weed induced tires. <laughs> it's speculation. I don't know. Yeah, speculation. I, I won't, I won't comment on it. It wasn't a member of the pod. Uh, so we can say that, uh, but it was, a, it was a <laughs> beloved friend. Yourself. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. I, you know, if I did, it'd be a good, st- I'd share the story. I would explain yeah. the, the, and by the way, he's totally fine. It was he's just like, like a, oh, sorry. He he fainted during the third song and then immediately proceeded to like get up and party till five in the morning. So he was fine. Yeah, he worked <laughs> it out. He worked it out. But uh, no, it was it was cool. And it was like, obviously, we did the whole Buffalo thing. You know, we went for wings and then we went to Frizzy's and we just sort of and we were kind of, you know, the show. We got out to your show at the, the whatever that field, which was awesome. And you guys sorted us. We were in like a cool little area at the side. Uh, Shane, who are you hanging out with? Who, like, who are you? Uh, paired off usually you get into little groups and like you know, if there's 20 guys there's like lots of little roaming roving groups of like three to five guys who are you with the most me and mark myers okay. <laughs> yeah yeah we got ditched too and the the internet reception wasn't pretty good there so after the show we actually had to hitchhike to grab an uber driver like a guy uh, maybe it wasn't an Uber driver, but we did give it get in some guy's car and he drove us to your next uh location where your cover band played that cost us 15 bucks, which I was lucky that Myers had $15 American in his pocket. Cause otherwise that guy was going to be quite pissed, but yeah. <laughs> what it, what had happened was, uh, so we're, we're there at the show. The show's going great. You're killing it, but we're all aware that you had had, you had food poisoning and I don't know how this happened or where Mark and Shane were at this moment, but Sean Dawson was like, Oh, he's going to cut the show short because he's got food poisoning. And we've been looking around. Just 5,000 people were like, this is going to be like Coachella. Remember Coachella? We could not get a ride home. It was just like madness. Mm. So we're like, do we want to beat the rush and get out a little early? And Mm. then Sean was like, he's going to cut the short show. He's going to cut the short show. And then so just like there was kind of like the champagne boy just kind of left to try and get the Ubers maybe 20 minutes before the show would actually end or whatever. Smart. But Smart. Mark and Shane, I don't think we're in that. They definitely weren't in that uh. cluster. So they did get left behind and they went right to the, uh, the town ballroom, which so when we get to the town ballroom <laughs> for your after show for disco loadout, there's a lineup like around the, like word is out. Like th- this is, you know, the place to be. It's like, I don't even know what time it would have been like almost midnight at this point and mm-hmm. 1130. I don't know. But yeah. the lines around the corner and I'm with like 16 champagne boys and my brother's <laughs> doing that thing where he's like, I don't want to wait in fucking line. Come on. Can't we blah, 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 blah. And the line was kind of, I was like, I think it's moving fast, but then it didn't seem like it was moving fast. And so there was kind of like some rumbling, but I'm like, it is so hard to get 16 dudes past the line or whatever. And I'm just kind of like, I'm kind of like, I don't want to call Ash. I was like, she's already done so much. And it's like, it doesn't seem like it's going to take that long to get in anyway. And then I see a friend of the pod, Donnie standing oh, yeah. and we make eye contact and I'm, and, and we make that kind of eye contact where he comes up and he's so nice and gracious. We say, hi, I'm like, Hey, here's the situation. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll sort you. So he basically tells the door guy, they open the gate and 16 guys come trouncing in and he's got like, I don't know if it's like a dude that he, like his partner, who he works Artie, with, but guys give, 
He's giving us a look like he is not having it. Donnie told me that he's like, Artie was just like, who the fuck are all these guys? He's like, they're Max's friends. It's fine. It's fine. That's what I said, no, he he goes, it's fine. It's fine. They're Max's guys. Max's guys. <laughs> you just got 16 guys that roll in. But it worked. It worked. And we got in and we beat the line. And But I did feel bad. And I was, I saw Donnie later. And I was like, I hope that wasn't. I was like, ah, I didn't love it, but whatever. And then, um, and then we, yeah, we all got in. But then we get in and we see. We see Shane and we see Mark who had been calling, but it was really hard because there was messages, but some weren't getting through on the reception. And then I saw it was like, you guys beat us here, blah, blah, blah. And then everybody settled in. And then what time did you start the show? Actually, uh, was it like past 30, 1245? Yeah, it was late enough. Yeah. Why Shane, did you do that show, though? I'm very curious. It, uh, it seems like you're working way too hard at this you, point in the game. You know what it was? It's a great question, because we sometimes you get an idea when you're a little bit bored and you're like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. You know? And so I think the conversation originally started with Tony because, because Tony saw Tom Moffat do a cover of break stuff at the Dakota Tavern. Tom Moffat is our trumpet player. And we're like, yo, what if we did a bunch of covers like that somewhere? And we like, just did like break stuff and we blink 182 and it was some 41. And it'd be like so much fun. And Tony is the kind of guy who was just like, he could like literally get out of bed and start performing any song from any era at any time. You know what I mean? Like he, uh, you know, he could be 12 out of 10 drunk. He could hit the stage. He could be, you know what I mean? Like he's just ready to go. He doesn't even have to like practice. He's just good to go. So I was like, and whenever any of the guys have like an idea, like to do something a little extra, I'm always like, yeah, let's do it. Like, cause you know, you, I, I have a hard time like thinking anything's a bad idea. So we're like, oh, what if we did it in Buffalo at the town ballroom? Because we like the town ballroom. It'll just be like a fun thing. We kind of made it into this, like, it'll be a fun thing. Of course, you know, the summer rolls around. We're super busy. We end up going, oh, how many songs do we have to fucking learn? Oh, my God. Because we, we had a much longer <laughs> set list of other, like, punk songs and, like, songs from, like, Big Shining Tunes, basically. We're like, and basically, it kind of, things start to whittle down. We're like, no. I'm not doing that. We're going to do Rock the Casbah because we know that one. No, we're not doing when that. You we're put doing- in, when you put in Sledgehammer, which I know you've been doing for like a decade, yeah. I, w- I was like, oh, they just got to the point where like, let's play the ones we we know front to exactly, back. Exactly, exactly. And the thing is like, we know a bunch of these songs front to back, but a lot of these people have never seen us play these songs. So it basically, it kind of, I ended up kind of getting pretty stressed out about the entire show because I was like, this would have been, and then I got food poisoning because I was like, motherfucker, like, you know, if we had just stuck to the one thing, then my like you know when you have a lot to take on in a day or there's like a ton of work you're just like body is just so tense and you're just like stressed out for like the days leading into it so that's kind of how i felt and it made it worse the food poisoning but what i will say though shane is that because we pulled it off now it feels like the legend of this show is it's you know is like holy shit disco loader have you ever seen disco loader it's like there's a lot of people who don't really know our our cover set so you know it has like a hundred thousand views on instagram and a thousand shares and it's just like i don't know it's a cool like kind of lore building exercise that you don't can't do every day but if you can do it once in a while it's it's, it's i think it's a good use of your time that makes sense yeah, no, I just because uh, I walked up to Tony afterwards. I think I saw him at the after party at Frizzy's because on stage you said it was his idea, and I think he kind of acted like he blamed you for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. And I was like asking everybody, but they were like, oh, you know, Max, Max. Like it was. It seemed like Max is the big workhorse. Working us to the bone. <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, is what they said, but yeah. 
They call me a tyrant? <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, well, what I will say, though, is that I was uh, deeply impressed by my guys in the band because I heard that they were partying with you guys till like 4.35 in the morning. Like, Tony showed up, Nick showed up, Mike showed up. Like, they were all the barbecue oh, yeah. guys, which I, which I loved. Yeah, it was great to catch up with them, actually. Because, um, you know, we see you all the time. But I, I was pretty... Uh, uh, actually, Ash had, had messaged me, and she said that you had food poisoning. And she was like, so take it easy on our boy. And I was like, uh, there's no way in hell Max is coming out after these shows if he's coming off of like a food poisoning day. Just because yeah. even at your best, you're very good about taking care of yourself. And I'm mm -hmm. like, if you've had a day where you've been laid up, there's no way you're gonna be able to get it together, you know, post 2 a.m. Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't in no shape to party after. But uh, sometimes when you're in the audience, Shane, I get a little self-conscious. Like, honestly, because I was, because I was like, what Shane, what jokes is he making about me? You know, is he, how, I can just imagine him kind of snickering or saying something funny, which I would also laugh about, but it also make me a little self-conscious. What, what was your review of my performance? No, I'm always just laughing at how you can pull off anything. It's more like <laughs> complimentary, like anything you're wearing or doing or you know, you'll, you can dance like this or do anything and it doesn't seem as stupid as it should. <laughs> so I'm, For I'm our listeners, Shane just literally did a max dance over the Zoom, by the way. That's why it was like, it was pretty accurate too. But yeah, I, I'm more in awe of you in that uh, way than I am making fun of you. And then with the after show, I just couldn't, like, I was like, if I'm in the band, how pissed must I be that I have this like unbelievably hardworking band leader and like if you know like there's no days off if you're the uh you know doing the podcast with you is hard enough like there's never an off week <laughs> i blame ash for that too that's great no it's uh, good though it's it's inspiring in a way it reminds me of um it reminds me of when you watch like a like a beatles you read a beatles book or you watch one of the documentaries and i think ringo is like it's like the other guys would like make these records that have gone down to some of the greatest records in the history of music and then like john and ringo and george would they'd be chilling like in the garden and the phone would ring and ringo's like we know it. We know it's him. It's Paul. Paul wants to make another record. And the truth is like, you know, when you hear that story, he's like, Paul, chill, like enjoy the sort of fruits of your labor. But I'm so happy that someone like Paul kept pushing it because it's like, there's probably no Sergeant Pepper. There's probably no, you know, Abbey Road. There's no let it be. Like, it's like those get made because you need, you, you need, need a Keener guy. In, in the group you need project. Annoying guy. Yeah. yeah. You need Keener in the group project, Keener. Max. And yeah. that's you. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Any any other highlights of Buffalo that that stick out? How, was everyone was were a, you hung over the next day? I was pretty good myself. Yeah. I was more tired. Like uh, I stayed up really late. Like I like I probably went to bed at like five thirty or six wow. because Frizzy's closes at four. That should be illegal. Four a.m. last call. That's that's yeah. that's insane. It so should be illegal. Like two. Yes, it did, but it wasn't. And yeah, it was, it's just hard because to Shane's point, you, your brain frames it like two in the morning, but it's not. And it's not like we were staying two nights where you can kind of just sleep in the whole next day and then whatever, go a little hard, less hard the next night. It's like everyone was back to their lives that Sunday. You know what I mean? Just getting a couple kids thrown at them. This is a completely, uh, this could be relatable to anybody, not personal to me. Uh, and then you're, you know, all of a sudden like put to work or whatever. But uh, anyway, it's a good time. It's a great time, actually. And awesome shows. And Disco Loadout, I think, will be the, you should do it in every city going forward. Yeah, it's a lot of work. If, if you if you pay us the right amount of money, we'll do it. Um, did you, I don't want to ask how much you got, but I do, obviously. But did you get paid the right <laughs> amount of money? Uh, well, I mean, that we just got paid whatever the door was. Uh, it was sold out minus uh, the 17 free tickets for the Champagne Boys. And then you times that I think number. it was like 20. 
Also, yeah. just in, 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 I feel like I threw my brother under the bus for not wanting to wait, wanting to wait in line. It had started raining by that point. So oh, we yeah, didn't want to wait in the rain. That yeah, was, that, the, that was the other part of the urgency, but go yeah. on. Uh, yeah, no, we, you know, it was just, just have a door deal. It wasn't like a sponsored event or anything like that, but it was good. Yeah, it was great. But you get paid more for the the real show than yeah the- yeah, yeah yeah that was like a hard ticket okay. check yeah mm-hmm. um, oh, nice. let let's talk about uh, the the big Bruce dinner and we we had a dessert uh, hang uh, with the cast uh, of the dessert at Bruce McCullough's house at Manager Ash and I showed up and before we talk about that I want to say if you can rate our show on IMDb give it a ten out of ten all across the board the or dessert whatever, you mean the dessert sorry the dessert uh, go do that right now because keep spreading the word. You know, share the, the clips on TikTok, watch it on Crave, uh, and rate it on IMDb or any other place you rate a show because uh, that all helps. Yeah, because we've had some uh, troll attacks where, like, when we first came out, I'm assuming it was maybe, a, you know, an angry member of the comedy community who didn't think we were <laughs> deserving. But we got like 27 ones right out the gate, and no show is a one. So, and then we got. Is that what it was? Right yeah, right out the gate. So, then obviously there's some combating with some inordinate number of tens going on because we're trying to combat it. But then there's a bunch of real ratings that are somewhere in between, but it nets out to where we have like an overall 5.7 rating when I think in reality, we'd have somewhere closer to a seven in real life. So we're trying to combat these negative ratings because they really can influence someone if that's all they go by is the IMDb rating, whether they want to watch or not, because we're not on Rotten Tomatoes or anything. We got to stop that. You know what I mean? We need to police this a little bit better. I don't know how you do that. Would you guys... I just ethically playing dirty that way just sucks. It's so lame. But would you guys ever find yourself in a position to do that if you had to? Like, could you, could, would you ever stoop to that level competitively? There's one stoop to the positive way. Like, if uh, a friend is entering a contest and he asks for help, I'll just give him the high rating, the highest rating possible that might even be higher than he's worth. But I only do the positive line more than the negative line. Yeah, I think there's only like one person I really want to take down in this life. And <laughs> I don't know exactly what I would do. I'm never going to reveal their name either. Man but or a no, woman? Can't say. You can't say if it's a man or a woman. No. Ooh. But uh, it's a man. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So the Bruce dinner, Maxi, set up what this is with the vibes are like going into it, the construct of sort of having a dinner like this with like sort of a living comedy legend. We've worked with them. We know him a bit, but we don't know him well. He invites us to his home. Set up. You want me thing. to set it up? You want me to set it up? Yeah, go for it. Ah, I'm okay. going around to this. This is a test, Max. All right. So it's Sunday night it's, uh, and Jillian is somehow is in the middle of organizing this. Like, I don't know how she became the conduit uh, for like organizing the rest of us. Because she's our youngest colleague, probably, right? Yes, but Bruce has uh, interacted with me several times, and I think he realized that I'm not the organizational type. And okay. Jillian's, Jillian's more A-type than me. Yeah, okay. So she starts saying, okay, who's bringing the wine? Who's bringing the dessert? You know, we're just kind of going over, like, details or whatever. And it's Sunday night. Ash and I walk over there. I didn't know exactly who was going to be there. I didn't know who, who made the invite list, but I saw we had some significant others. We had uh, lovely Alex, and we had John's wife, Sarah, there. And um, it ended up being this really fun dinner because we've had like lots of Zoom calls with Bruce. We did our premiere with Bruce. We interacted with him in real life at the Rivoli, of course. But we haven't actually had like a sit-down hang when no one's in a rush to go anywhere, when there's not other people yanking at him. It was our first like kind of truly get to know you as people kind of mm-hmm. uh, dinner. And his wife, Tracy, was there and she was like preparing the food. His two k- teenage kids were there, which I fucking loved <laughs> because, uh, you know, they, they were kind of raised in L.A. They only moved back here five years ago. So I kind of see them as like L.A. showbiz kids. And they really remind me of my own nieces and nephews in some way. Like his daughter reminds me a lot of my niece, Emma, because they're both like already 15 year olds, 15, 16 year olds. So they're hanging out. One of their boyfriends is, is by as well. I think she's 18, but yeah. She's 18. Okay, teenager. But, um, you know, the, the, the dinner kind of starts to go kind of how you hope it goes in that like it's always starts a little awkward because even like I didn't even spend that much time with like Bella. But then once Bella started holding court, it was the best because Bella's just telling one ridiculous story after the next. And she's an amazing storyteller. And I'm just like, Bella, tell us another thing. And she's telling crazy stories about like former high school teachers, like doing crazy shit. And like, you know, I just found her to be very charismatic. Um, And, you know, drinks are being had. Um, You know, the conversation is really like loosening up. And basically, we have dinner. And by the time Ash and I have to leave, because we have to fly somewhere the next day, it's like 9 o'clock. And I was like, all right, guys, we'll see you later. It was very clear that nobody was in any uh, mood to go anywhere. Like, the party was just kind of starting, it felt like. And then I just heard, and then I just get like a a photo of Mike holding a bass guitar at midnight. And I was like, (laughs) okay, clearly, uh, when the brass is out of there, i.e. Ash and I, the no fun police, that thing, the things started to get really good. So what happened after I left? Or did I miss anything in, in in the recap? You know, yeah, just what you could expect, Mike. Anytime there's a guitar around, Mike is kind of doing the reaching for it and then like i'm joking i'm joking he's like give me that yeah but eventually the guitar ends in his hand uh, but i think i think you thought it was an acoustic bass or something because it couldn't really 
play? Oh like, no, it didn't no. seem like so, it made noise when you hit the strings. No, it does. So I, the reason I was interested in this bass is one, it's like it's a it's a it's a classic Hofner bass, and the Hoffner violin style bass is what Paul McCartney played. But a lot of people have sort of like these like replicas that were made in the last ten or fifteen years. Um, this bass looked like really old, and Bruce has played it like on the show Kids in the Hall, and he's like, "That's yeah. the original bass." So I was like, I was kind of been eyeing it, you know, like there's like that scene in Step Brothers where every time like Will Ferrell looks at John C. Riley's drums, it's like. And you just want to grab it. I kept looking at it all night and I was like, I was like, at some point I kind of just want to hold this bass. And I I did. And he said it was from, it was like from the seventies and it was his dad's bass actually originally. And it was mm. the same one from the kids in the hall. And he just used it, I guess, at the, the Rivoli show he had just done. And so like, I, you know, you got to plug those in. It's an electric bass, but I was just sort of like feeling it. I was just sort of like doing little scales. Like nobody was, like, no one could hear me play. I was letting people talk. There was like, at one point there was kind of music on in the background. I was just sort of like holding it, just feeling sort of the, the history on it. But then the next day I was kind of like, should I have held his bass? It's like an iconic bass. Like, no, is he cool that I was playing with his fucking instrument? I don't know. I think he was fine with it. He, I mean, he was so gracious and kind in every way, but you always have that thought the next day where it's like, was that one step too far? I was like, I don't know. I still got to hold like a bass from the seventies. That's iconic to me, kids in the hall, Paul McCartney, all this stuff. So I was like, I enjoyed sitting with it for, you know, 25 minutes, just sort of noodling around. Yeah, we may, I'm not sure of this, but we may have overstayed our welcome because uh, Tracy was, Bruce's wife was kind of hanging around at like 10 or 10.30 and she's like, well, you know, this is past Bruce's bedtime. He must really like you. Uh, it's quite late for Bruce. So, but, you know, we're not taking hints. I'm like, oh yeah, grabbing another beer. I'm like, yeah. You know, really good. You know? And we, we sit around, we're talking, Bruce is talking to, um, to Alex. He's kind of like, he's loudly talking about how, Alex is kind of out of my league. He's, he's being funny about it. He's like, you're at 10, but like Shane, and he's like really hamming it up. He's being really funny about it. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, we left at maybe like 12 or 1230. So the next morning, Alex was ruined. Like my wife, Alex, she was gone for like hung over for the entire day. So I knew we went pretty hard and I just felt like half bad. So I emailed Bruce. I was like, Hey, Thanks for the great party. So if we overstayed our welcome, we're from Hamilton. Uh, it's kind of like what we do. And he just said, yeah, I didn't know you guys partied like Motley Crue. And that was all. <laughs> so I don't know oh, if we'll be funny. back. I hope he enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, I think maybe the dinner invite needed like uh, in and out time. <laughs> Seven till 10. <laughs> yes. Sharp. Sharp. In Golden. Oh man, that's great! But, uh, lovely place, though. Lovely place. Yeah, sweet place. That little off like Ferranti. sort of yeah. that uh, that little vestibule area that you hang out like sort of out. It's like outdoor, indoor. It's kind of like a yeah, mix. Like, a, that Bruce spot has was a word for it. Yeah, I couldn't remember what it was. He's like, it's called a lavenier or something like that. Alex <laughs> has the word for it too. Yeah, people far fancier than us know the word for it. But that that was a that was a great time. And so thanks to uh, thanks to to Bruce and Tracy and their family for having yeah, us. Let's do it um, again every Sunday. You know, every yeah, Sunday yeah. night. Yeah, same time next week. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad I got in his house after <laughs> after we did the social uh, together. He was mentioning the party. Like he's like, hey, we should get together for a barbecue. And I just went, uh, do you have a mansion, Bruce? That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it'd be an appropriate question, but he just ignored me. And I think that's actually the reason that Jillian uh, became the organizer. Do you have a mansion? <laughs> it's like young comic talks to legendary comic. Do you have a mansion? <laughs> Max, do you ever get asked if you have a mansion by anybody? 
No, no, I don't. No, I don't. Do you have a mansion? I've never been to your place. You've never been here? You've never been there? No, I've never been. Uh, well, you is- tend to, you, you do tend to overstay your welcome. So, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I need Let's to be invited to go somewhere. Um, but yeah. How, how big's your, your pad? It's, it's like a, it's like a duplex. There's like, you know, people downstairs. It's like, it's a downtown house. I don't need much space too. Like I don't want, sometimes I, sometimes I think I'd like to have a really big house, but then just like outfitting the furniture and cleaning it and all this shit. I'm like, I don't want any of that. I don't even want to be in the house most of the time. Like I just no, but you're a like bed. a business guy. You want to like flip it. You're always thinking of ways to profit. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> I feel like that. You're, you know, not that you even care about the money. You just like the gamesmanship of it all. I feel yeah, like. there's something interesting there for sure. But yeah, when it comes to like wanting like a, a, a regal estate or something, I don't want that. That's just, a, you know. Well, speaking of regal estates, let's talk about yes. Barbie. Because she Barbie is our third B. Are we at the third B already? Yeah, we are the third B. Yeah. We're just cruising along here. Barbenheimer. What were we gonna say? Can we start with Oppenheimer? Yeah, start with Oppenheimer. I really want your thoughts on Oppenheimer because I've been thinking about this movie a lot and I really like it. Okay. Question for everyone here. Was there too many stupid cameos (laughs) in Oppenheimer? Like unnecessary uh, cameos. Distractingly, distractingly so. It's like that's fucking Josh yeah. and Josh and Drake. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Sometimes I bet directors like Christopher Nolan, same thing happened with uh, David O. Russell with um, his last movie that I saw. Amsterdam. And with Amsterdam, where when you're a director that every actor wants to work with and you have so much pull with these actors and the actors will literally do anything you say, you're probably going through the cast and you're like, okay, let's just get a regular actor. Oh, but. You know, uh, Casey Affleck, he, he's been texting me a lot. Do I just want to give him this role? It's like three lines, but you know, let's do that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like... He, I, think, he, I think Casey would be in anything that anyone asked him at this point, but Remy Malik is a good example from Oppenheimer. Yeah. Remy Malik is so distracting, and I've said this to everyone I've talked to this about, that when you see he can either star in a film or not be in a film. He <laughs> cannot just be in like five minutes of a film because he's too much of a presence to not be thinking about the entire time. Once I saw him, I'm just like, when's he going to pop up again? Why is he relevant? Why is he here all of a sudden? It must be important. And then it wasn't. It was just a cameo. Like this guy's nominated for an Oscar. He has the weirdest, seemingly affected voice, the strangest look. And he's just like, I could have done that role. Well, this is what I'm saying is is that directors can't be like, oh, fuck. Rami Malek keeps texting me. Fuck about, mm-hmm. I guess we just throw him in the movie. Like, you know what or, I mean? Like, or do you think there's a four hour cut somewhere and he overshot? Like, do you think there are other scenes mm, with these sort of weird distracting cameos where he's like, there's a four hour cut somewhere where there are scenes that we just never saw starring these people or with these people. I can't imagine if there is the part not being meandering. Like, I don't think he'd be like any more important, even if he had more screen time. And like um, someone who did have a lot of screen time, but I felt like, was a weird, unnecessary casting decision was Josh Safdie. And I don't oh, think he was yeah. that actor by any means. He's he fun. played more of a pivotal role in the movie, though. I he know. did. But that's what I mean. Get a good actor who actually was born with that accent to do it. Uh. The time I'm thinking is, holy shit, Josh Safdie's in this big movie. Like, what did they, how, where did they meet? A cocktail party? They got talking about it. Then he just... Aggressed. I was thinking about that. Yeah, I was like, like ooh, director's just talking. thinking about... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, Mr. Oppenheimer. Yeah. He's got some weird, like, European, yeah. like, will rivals or whatever. 
I wish she did the Arnold like you're doing. It was was better than that, but still just distracting enough where you can't focus. And I just feel like the the nudity scenes I heard a lot about, and I just thought that was going to be overblown. But it felt awkward when she's um what's what's that really good actress who's Florence 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 Pugh. 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 Like she's just sitting there with her boobies out and the the other guy's talking to her. It feels like she's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel like the way you'd naturally talk to someone you're really comfortable. Post-coital, is that what you say? Um you don't sit poitus, poidal, coital, coital, I think. I don't yeah. know. All right. <laughs> you don't. Why, why you would sit across the room from each other in that way after when you're both naked, like on chairs? That's that's a weird one. Don't you snuggle? Aren't you supposed to snuggle? Yeah, that was way too far away. It, it She's not the warmest. Like it was the first maybe, scene they shot. Maybe they were trying to tell a story about the nature of the relationship in mm. that, that sort of even after an act of intimacy, they can't be close. After uh, coitus. I, I just Googled it. Coitus. Uh-huh. I'm right. I'm not. Huh. Oh, postcoital something though too. Huh? Of re- coital relating to the period after sexual intercourse, after codis, codis used or occurring following sexual intercourse. So you can say both. We learned hmm. something today on the Best Hang Pod. Yeah. Damn. Do, but what about uh, Peaky Blinders? Killian. How good is he? Yeah. He's great. I thought he was, he was fantastic. Yeah. He's he was one of the best things about the film. My take. My here's my here's my quick summation of my thoughts on Oppenheimer. And I saw a late show, so that's hard. Essentially, I thought it was a very 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 good, maybe even excellent biopic. Much like many biopics that we have seen in the past, just expertly handed, done by professionals. Uh, Killian Murphy, Cillian Murphy. I never know if it's a hard Killian. C yeah. or Killian. Killian. Um, it's fantastic. He's amazing. He'll be nominated for an Oscar. He most likely win. Uh, but at no point when I was watching that film was I like, I'm in something awesome right now. I'm witnessing something mm-hmm. awesome. Like there was no moment where I was just like, this is great that I'm in this movie. I was just kind of like, I'm in a history lesson. There's not a lot of like peaks and valleys. I'm here. I'm learning something. I'm learning about who this man was. I see the power of what they're sort of attempting to create and pull off and the sort of the the, the terms in which they're doing it. And then obviously uh, uh, the implications of what that means for humanity and going forward and this sort of me- this um, what we're capable of as humans. And then also, you know, what we're capable of as humans, you know, great things and destructive things. I, but none of it felt like man, I'm witnessing something else. Like people were comparing this thing to Citizen Kane before I saw it. So I think expectations can help a lot too. But I walked Mm -hmm. out and I was like, yeah, it was fine. It was fucking fine. I think my biggest criticism is one that Matt Bookla Maddie made, which is the last third or the, you know, where they're just going over like the security clearances, like basically that tribunal, that secret tribunal that he has to go through. They kind of made like whether or not he gets a security clearance to be as like important as like the bomb going off. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, why do we spend so much time just being like, he's not going to get the security clearance. He's like, what? Like, who cares? Like, does, does history really care? that much about like i get that being like an addendum to the, the um to the movie and like the idea of like you're important for a little bit and then like as einstein tells them like then they're on to the next like breed of or the next generation of scientists or whatever totally get it and there's also like the politico intelligentsia that ha- like have it out for communists or like i but the, the the fact they spent so much time was sort of confusing to me in that on that last hour yeah it was that an hour too long, for sure. It needed to be more like Goodwill Hunting, but with a bomb. Like the perfect amount of like, you know, like, oh, this is the smartest man in the world with the fun, flirtatious, sexual bit. And then 
a bomb. Yeah. And then maybe end with the bomb. You could end mm. end with the bomb, right? End with the bomb. Of course. I think that's how it should have ended, probably. Well, the, the, the ending was actually amazing. And we're in the spoiler what territory. At the end he, again? Basically, he's like, they show what he said to Einstein. And he's like, I thought they thought in their experimentation, they might actually set off a chain reaction that that ends the world, like the, oh, the yeah. test bomb. And he's like, and she's like, I thought that, you know, and then Einstein was like, maybe you did. And then it's like he has the vision of the future and the world exploding and all like basically he set off a metaphorical chain reaction. That was like a strong ending. But to your guys point, if we skip the courtroom drama for that was the last third of the movie, it's like we have the sort of his biopic. They accomplish their goal. He feels guilty, obviously, about Hiroshima. Um, and it's like maybe a little bit of the courtroom stuff and then maybe the, the implication. But there was a lot of courtroom drama that was a little bit dry again like again just felt like a biopic where i felt like i learned something how they tried to railroad him uh, even though he had done all this you know amazing stuff for america uh, and for their efforts in the war and to end the war essentially then they just basically discarded him speaking of courtroom scenes though the other day somebody posted i don't know like on instagram my algorithm will just get like random movie scenes which is, i'm not complaining about but it was the courtroom scene from a, a few good men it's mm. like you know you know, you can't handle the truth. The truth. yeah, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. That scene, just if that two minutes between Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson is like so fucking electric. It's just like, I don't know. It's been like obviously spoofed a million times. It's like sort of become a pop culture. Like you can't handle the truth. But just watching it, I'm like, this must have felt exhilarating the first time people saw this in theaters. Mm. Like I try to like imagine what was it if I was a guy sitting in a theater or whatever, 1990 something. And saw this for the first time. It must have been like electric. And anyway, yeah, as you guys were talking about how dry movie. the courtroom stuff was for Oppenheimer, it just made me think of that scene where I'm like, oh yeah, we didn't get like any of like that. Mm. Which some people think it's hammy or scene chewy or whatever, but I, I'm like, I don't know, it's fucking classic. Um, I don't even know if I cared about the Einstein part. Did you care about the Einstein part at the end? Were you like, whoa? When they revealed the combo. Yeah, Max. Yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting, but yeah, but it didn't blow me away. I think I was just too tired at that point because it yeah. was like 1 a.m., but yeah, that's the thing. You gotta, if you have a good ending, you gotta strike well before the audience gets too bored. Mm -hmm. Hey everyone, this is just a quick editor's note to um, shit on Robert Downey Jr. unnecessarily. I just thought his performance was too much, overacting, uh, especially as the movie went by the now, the last 10 minutes of the movie, you're just sick of him. And he and he just thinks he's delivering the best performance ever. It felt like a parody of an Oscar performance. I don't know. Manager Ash says he's probably going to win an Oscar or be nominated for this performance. I disagree. So I wanted to put this in the podcast as an editor's note. So there it is. Hey, uh, what do you think of Barbie? Well, okay, I thought it started really strong and it ended really strong. And then the Will Ferrell parts were a little bit too silly for me. That world, I feel like they didn't nail down. And the, when she goes to the real world, it felt like, oh, now they're in the real world. But anytime they entered Will Ferrell, who plays the head of Mattel, it felt like, oh, what world does he live in? He kind of lives in both worlds, I guess. Like he, he knows of this silly Barbie world and his real world, which is kind of surreal in itself. I, I found it confusing. They never really nailed down why Will Ferrell's acting the way he is. Yeah, he's sort of a zany... Yeah, I don't know. That didn't totally bother me. That made sense to you? Mm, didn't bother me. Um, and I did, I like when Ken's in the real world and he's discovering patriarchy. Like that, that's really fun. And like the real world being brought back to Barbie land and then the Ken's take it over. Like that device is, I think, useful. The reason that was funny was because Ken was interacting with real people. Uh-huh. 
and they were being funny, but it was hard with Will Ferrell because he wasn't standing on solid ground because mm-hmm. he was such a cartoonish character. Mm-hmm. Mike, what do you think of it? Yeah, I thought there were, you know how I said in Oppenheimer, there was no time where I was like, man, I'm like really enjoying myself. I'm like, I'm getting something awesome here. This is like, you know, I'm feeling something. Barbie was the exact opposite. I was mm. sort of delighted the whole time I was watching and I was enjoying the dance numbers. I was enjoying the floating down, the, the songs, the construct, the weird sort of like Barbie land that Greta Gerwig had created. I was just along for the ride, the discarded Barbies from the, 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 the Mattel line over the years. All of that stuff was just really working for me. Um, they got into the real world. I completely agree with Shane because it was almost like the real world needed to be the real world, or it could be an extension of just the whole movie's kind of silly. But you would have scenes where like Ken is, he's talking to the doctor, the the woman, and he's like, I'd like to speak to a doctor. She's like, I am a doctor. And you know, it's like, I mean, like that doctor's real. It's like almost like the America Ferrera character and her daughter and her daughters, they're real. But then Will Ferrell seems like he came from Barbie land because he's mm. so sort of cartoonish. He's very mm-hmm. cartoonish himself. I, I didn't like... I, I wasn't like, uh, it didn't take me out of the movie to the point where I was like not enjoying myself because at that point, once I sort of accepted it, I just went along for the whole ride. I was like, this whole thing is a fantasy. I'm enjoying it. She's sort of obviously saying larger things through sort of the comedy. Um, and then by the end, when I spoiler alert, once again, if you haven't seen either of these movies, maybe we'll put us maybe Nathan Nash at the start. of can say spoiler alert for both films at the end when she's sort of, they have the Pinocchio moment and she's about to be made a real woman, you know, in can go live in the real world. And there's that montage of sort of what it is to be human. You know what I mean? Like, and that, I think it was a Billie Eilish song was playing over that, which I, I didn't totally realize it was out at the time. I was just like, Oh, I'm like, she's like nailing the landing here. Like I'm feeling things in sort of like, you know, I I'm always like the entirety of the human experience, like love, hate, like joy, pain, what it is to be a parent, to lose a parent, to, you know, have a child, lose a child, like to embody all that in like a good like song and like old sort of like, you know, eight millimeter type footage as, as, as sort of the Rhea Perlman characters imparting to Barbie. It's like, Hey, it's not all like, it's everything. It's the joy and it's the pain. Whenever like a filmmaker can embody that and I can get a feeling for that, that like leaves me walking away where I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, the movie for me, tr- yeah, it just it nailed everything. It was if you can make me laugh super hard, which the movie did a couple times, and then also make me sort of feel very emotional and walking out and reaffirmed about humanity and wanting to like even with all the shit that we're surrounded by, keep trying and giving it another shot and going home and hanging out with my kids and sort of like hanging out with my friends and j- all the reasons that we get up every day, the good and the bad. I felt like Barbie in that one scene, you know, and maybe I'm assigning too much to it. I'm assigning whatever I feel about it. I feel like Greta Gerwig's film did a lot of that in that last little bit as Barbie's becoming human. And for me, it sort of transcended. And so I thought as an experience, I, 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 I loved it, you know? Mm. Yeah. You, yeah. Guys, you guys are pretty quiet. That's okay. Billie Eilish okay. song. Well, what are we going to interrupt your little speech there, Mike? We're, we're uh, I mean, like that was good. It was good. To, what you said was correct, but I, I'm not going to jump in there and clap or anything, but it was, uh, what you said is, is good. And I think that landing and ending is so important, which is yeah. what I didn't feel like. Oppenheimer, that whole Einstein thing. I feel like Einstein kind of annoyed me, actually. I wish he was better cast. But to, to talk about Barbie, that Billie Eilish song is so fucking good. And it's hitting at the perfect part in the perfect scene that I cried there for sure. I cried two other times in the movie. The, wow. And this is for parents especially. Like, if you're a parent, you're going to be affected anytime they show the montage of American Fear, America Fear and her daughter. And she's, like, kind of getting older and growing up and 
growing out of the toys. Oh, that makes me cry right now. But yeah, they do that twice and it gets me. And then the ending gets me again. But then the middle at the Will Ferrell part loses me. And that kind of like negative point. So that's why I give it like an eight and a half. It could have been a perfect movie, but it had huge laughs in it too. Like um, the best laugh I think is when Barbie's talking to the construction workers on their lunch break. And they're yeah. like, hey, toots, and, and all this. And she's like, uh, I don't have a vagina. And he doesn't have a penis. And then they think about it for a second. They go, that's cool. Like, we just, like they don't even care. <laughs> and then she's like, geez, I would have thought construction workers on their break would have been the more uh, understanding or something than this. But that part was so good. And obviously anything with Ken was great. And Ryan Gosling was so good. And I think well-deserving of all the Oscar buzz. And I would think Margot Robbie would. Yeah, you know, she was amazing in it also. too. Yeah. I, I, Thoughts, I, Maxie? You've, you've yeah, been, I think the performance is really good. I like how ambitious it was. Um, like, you know, like the big choreography, like the dance scenes with the Ken, that was great. Like the way the Lizzo song plays twice. Like it's very, obviously, like well thought out. Like when it comes to like the music and how it matches like the look of the entire Barbie Land set. It's funny, though, because I'm not a girl or a dad. I think I didn't get as emotional as most, like, as a lot of the audience. <laughs> Did you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that stuff, <laughs> that I didn't sense. find myself, like, kind of coming close to crying. But I think if I, the like, mom-daughter relationship stuff, obviously, is super mm-hmm. uh, important there. And also probably parent-child relationship with the idea of, like, growing up and losing sparks of connection and people changing as, as they grow and relationships changing. So that didn't... Well, I think if you have daughters, too, that's different, yeah. too. Like, if you're a parent with daughters, like, that's... Yeah. Perfect to watch. Okay, last last thing before we wrap up here. Um, because I was thinking about oh, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. Just before you do that, I was just thinking about Oppenheimer. Mm. There's a scene in Oppenheimer where my theater, uh, you know, when he goes in and he has this the the, the talk with uh, uh who's the president at that point? Is it Eisenhower? Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. Gary Oldman plays the president though uh-huh. in heavy oh. makeup. Yeah, and basically. Oppenheimer, he's having this crisis of conscience. He's like, you know, maybe we shouldn't deploy the bomb. Look at all this. And then he kind of goes to leave the office and you hear Gary Oldman as the president be like, get that fucking baby out of here or something. <laughs> yes. My, my theater laughed out loud at that scene. Same. Do you think that's, do you think that's supposed to be a laugh line? Because I just think no. the, the movie, would, they were so bored by that point. They just needed something to hang on to. But it was the, crazy. The pro- it seemed so fake, too. The problem is that's a famous line that apparently was actually said. So they had to include it. But it seemed like um, they're just adding a little bit of unnecessary levity to the movie. So people <laughs> were laughing. And a lot of people even whispered around me because I had a very chatty audience and they were like, why would they add that part? And people were like <laughs> talking about how stupid it was. There was another oh, part no. in Oppenheimer and someone tweeted about it that, and the tweet was like, this really took me out of it. It was like, it's all super serious and like the droney seriousness. And, and then Matt Damon just goes, Phew. didn't see that one coming or something like that. He has, like a, he has a stupid like one-liner that like... It was a reaction, I think, to somebody's something somebody said, and again, it was like one of the the, the theater was like laughing loudly. I was like, was that the intention? Tom Hanks yeah. was Matt, in the movie too. Yeah, I thought it was too. Okay, so I'm gonna go. I, I will do Max and Shane, and then Max, you can do your last point. We can uh, keep mm-hmm. it moving. Get out of here. Uh, Oppenheimer or Barbie? Which is the better movie, Max? Oppenheimer. Shaney. Barbie. Mike. Obviously, you're gonna say Barbie, Mike. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Barbie much more, but I think it's like. What's the better movie? I've seen I've seen Oppenheimer version. Yeah, yeah, Barbie. I'll just say Barbie. Maxie, mm-hmm. what were you gonna say? Last question. Okay, I'm, I think a lot about these 
people that are making stuff and like, you know, like the legend of Christopher Nolan, right. And like what he, and why everyone wants to work with him. And I've like listened to some of his interviews and he's like, this is a very serious auteur. And then I think about like Margot Robbie and how she was hugely responsible, her and her, and her husband and the production team for getting that off the ground. And like, you know, taking this piece of IP and getting like a really critically acclaimed director to write and direct it. And I was thinking about like different careers. I was like, who would you most want to be if you had like a career? Like, you know, in terms of whether acting or directing or both, you know, it's like, is there somebody that, that sticks out? Because I listened to an interview, I'll, I can start, um, on Fresh Air the other day. And I, every time I, Timothy Oliphant is interviewed, I was like, I just want to be that guy. I think Timothy Oliphant is the funnest dude. He's, have you ever heard him on Conan? He's like always a hilarious interview and he takes the work, um, just the right amount of serious. And so that is my vote. I love Timothy Oliphant. I feel like you changed what you were going to say halfway through there. It was like, whose career would you most like to have? <laughs> I love Timothy Oliphant. Okay. There is an interview. Like, so what is it? Is it whose career would I like? Not career, but like, who's sort of like, eth- no, just like, who's like ethos do like, or uh, like, I don't know. Like when you hear the way he's like Seth and Evan, Seth, Seth Rogen and, and Evan Goldberg make movies. Like though that seems fun to me. Yeah. I think Seth Rogen is a great example of mm-hmm. a well, I was gonna say any gangs, like the, the dudes that made This Is the End before that kind of fell apart, they really had something yeah. special. Like I, like the James Franco stuff kind of went off the rails, obviously, but like they had something really special there with like Jonah and 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 James Franco and um and Jay Baruchel was kind of in the crew and Michael Saris. They were all kind of around. That's cool. I, I think the workaholics guys, like obviously I like working in groups, and it's like if you can be successful. And I guess, you know, people respect your work and make some dough. It's like, mm-hmm. just give me one yeah. of those careers. That, you know what I mean? Because I don't know. I feel like people like Margot Robbie, like, yeah, it's, it's like a different question. You know what I mean? Like people like Margot Robbie are so driven. You know what I mean? It's like, like Tom Cruise is like, I couldn't be Tom Cruise. I if wouldn't want to be Tom Cruise though. Margot you know Robbie's I mean? kind of fun. Margot Robbie's cool though. Like if I, her career is awesome because she is, is. yeah, because she, she is like this sort of sex symbol, but she's also a really respected a- uh, actor and is, t- plays these really eclectic roles and is kind of zany and really funny. And, <laughs> and she's also producing stuff. She's like picking interesting projects to be a part of. Like, like I think the, the choosing the right roles is cool. like Leo obviously is great. Cause Leo, like Leo is a movie star, but it's because he's very deliberately chosen the right movies. He's never done uh, like a superhero, um, movie. a superhero movie. Like that is cool to me. Right. So I don't know, but Timothy Oliphant works just fine. What's your answer? Uh, growing up, I was always into Lonely Island, Andy Samberg. Like oh, yeah, before he was cool. even on Saturday Night Live, there was a thing, an online group called Channel 101. And I would just watch, uh, he did a series called The Boo. And I was really obsessed with it. It was a playoff, uh, The O.C., there's about mm. people from Malibu and it's called Boo. It was so fucking good, but it also seemed like you could do it theoretically. When he got SNL, I was like, yes, he actually made it through. And then that seemed like a plausible method of making stupid short videos. But yeah, Andy Samberg's career and the way he has that uh, camaraderie with those other two guys is like something that I would want. Love it. And same with the workaholics guys too. That's just a lesser yeah. uh, thing for me. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, this is... 
I got to say, for the first time in a long time, we've gone, we've gone over an hour. We'll see after the edit and all that, but we've been doing a lot of 40-minute pods, so I hope our listeners, thank you for sticking around. Sometimes we're a little infrequent. No, you're um, welcome. But you're welcome, listeners. <laughs> for the free entertainment. Uh, and thank you to Shane for, uh, you know, get back to your vacation. Go enjoy the lake. Thank you so much to Nathan Nash. Thank you so much to Manager Ash. Uh, Buffalo was amazing. Bruce McCullough's was amazing. Barbenheimer was a hell of an experience. And we got Book Club, uh, with Ashley Adrain, probably on the next episode or the episode after that, she'll be on, which will be very exciting. All four of us will be in the same room. Uh, yeah, guys, great hang. Maybe the best. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.